0: everybody and welcome to east coast office hours the fanbite podcast that is coming at you straight from brooklyn new york
1: <laughs> beautiful brooklyn new york Be- bada bing
0: bada boom <laughs>
1: uh, it's so shitty today it's like freezing rain it's like- <laughs> pretty gross out today <laughs> it's so bad <laughs> but you know what yeah.
0: we don't let that get us down in the big apple
1: that's right where New new yorkers
0: yeah new york you know we take care of our own Spider-Man, <laughs> etc. Um, that, that voice you're hearing uh, is, of course, the voice of my co-host, Fanbite E.I.C. Danielle Riendo. Hello. It's me. Hi. How are you? Uh, I'm well. I'm. I guess I didn't say who I am. I assume people know, but I'm Mary yeah. Kay Fanbite, managing. Not that one. Nope. That's not it
1: managing director of features. Uh
0: features and trending editor is what <laughs> my job is. <laughs> uh, and uh yeah, That's we are we are here on a uh not so beautiful Friday afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Recording another one of these for you. And um hmm. I just want to point out something really quick that yeah. uh I did get an ad on time.is which is the site that we use to sync up uh that says, stop using toilet paper. This DIY, quotes, bathroom upgrade is saving Americans thousands on toilet paper. Toilet mm. paper capitalized. So I have mm. to assume that's like a, a bidet product or something. But a, a
1: DIY bidet does not instill confidence That doesn't seem me.
0: great.
1: Yeah. When it comes to toilets... And uh, things that, that could potentially touch places on me you want, that I don't want. You I want don't to want make DIY. sure that that's
0: installed properly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, probably we should all have bidets. It would be yeah. probably save a lot of paper. I haven't done the math or the studies. I haven't looked at the studies. I'm sure there are studies. Uh, what's the science on this? Um, no. But uh, yeah. <sighs> so that's fun. That's kind of a fun thing that this website has told me about.
1: I would love a bidet, but I want a fancy one. I want the separate little basin with a little soap. Oh, like, God. Yeah. The nice my, ones my like Western Europe. My uh, grandparents had yeah. one of
0: those when I was growing oh. up, and I didn't understand. I was like, why do you have a weird fountain in your bathroom? <laughs> um, but yeah, Great. I know people, you can get the ones installed where it's like, it just like is in the toilet still, basically. Yeah. A lot of toilet talk on this one you know
1: we're um, always talking about like food and toilets. we like to
0: push the envelope of what's acceptable <laughs> to talk about on a podcast we're talking about coffee and yeah. toilets
1: yeah things that brooklynites care about frankly yeah you know we're the east coast pod we talk about things that we care about on the east coast what do people care about on the west coast uh i don't know sunscreen because they have sun out there, unlike us. <laughs> well, but you still have to wear
0: sunscreen on overcast days. And a lot of people yeah. don't understand it's that.
1: No, that's true. Yeah.
0: It's the UV rays that get you, and those penetrate cloud cover, I think, probably. I,
1: I don't think know. they do. I think you're right, because it's just more
0: diffuse light, right? You should always yeah. also wear sunglasses all the time,
1: including indoors and at night.
0: Yeah. Um, Tim Rogers told me that.
1: <laughs> really?
0: Yeah. Yeah, he told me he was, like, you yeah. should, he was like, you should wear sunglasses like all the time because the sun is like, know, he's super He's probably bad for not your eyes. wrong,
1: to be honest. No, he's probably he's, not wrong. I think yeah. he is
0: right because think about it. If you're wearing sunscreen all the time,
1: like. You would also want to protect your eyes.
0: You want to protect your eyes, right? Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. You want to protect your eyeballs. That's how you see. I put is sunscreen on. You shoot on.
0: lasers out of your eyes and then they bounce back <laughs> and reflect. And
1: that's how we see. That is how we see.
0: According to that is how the brains Plato <laughs> or something. One of those guys thought that that's how you see.
1: I mean, fuck. That's pretty, bringing me back. Pretty good hypothesis, right.
0: right? Just like uh, I don't know. I guess we like. Well, I mean, because that's how bats see, right? They shoot out like a radio uh, waves, radio waves, and then it bounces back, right? and then they they get the glimpse of things, right?
1: I mean, the way we actually see is so fucked up because like, the images come in basically upside down and flattened and all different parts of our brain add different things to what we see. I, I have a very basic understanding of this, so I'm sure a neuroscientist would correct me here, but like the way our eyes work is not the way we see the way our eyes work and our brains work together is the way we see which is oh yeah truly absolutely. wild well it's uh, like if you
0: think about all the things that can go wrong um yeah there's so many yes. places that contribute to it like so many steps along the way it's really yes. interesting
1: it is actually like extremely cool there also, was a time oh, oh god go ahead. Go ahead. no go ahead please Oh, I was just gonna say there was a time in my life I was like truly fascinated in neuroscience and thought about going to school for it. Wow. Like much I don't more because I, I took about a lot you. of neuroscience in college. Really? Um yeah. But then I went to film school. <laughs> I mean
0: that's <laughs> seeing. That's like ways of seeing, you know?
1: You know, yes. Film, yes, film practices is... of looking and the practice of seeing. Yeah. You know? I
0: mean, yeah, film is interesting because Obviously, it's like not actually moving <laughs> and uh, it's right. just still images being displayed one fast. after another really quickly. And our brains are like, <laughs> that's moving.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a definitely person moving. walking around.
0: Yep. It's not just like a bunch of pictures of a person.
1: And we create continuity through even through different shots, right? Like the way yeah. we put shots together, that's all editing is. And like we assume that's continuity because... Our brains work that way. They create a beginning, middle, and end for most of the things that we see in any kind of sequence, which is also wild if you think about it. Like there's nothing yeah. inherent to the world that is beginning, middle, and end, but our brains just order things.
0: That we way. like having a sort of linear ordering of events because it makes things easier to understand. Even in cases where <laughs> there isn't one, um, which sometimes causes problems for us, right? When we're like, oh, this is the order of events. And it's like, no, no. Uh, shit just be crazy sometimes.
1: Exactly.
0: Now I was, I, we were talking about this off the air, but I yeah. am rereading a book by David Mame, who full like disclaimer, fucking sucks. Like, yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah. But in the nineties, he wrote a book called on directing, which I had previously read for some other purpose. Like I was writing a comic or something and, and heard good things about it. And, uh, He talks a lot about how, like, his whole approach to filmmaking, and it isn't, like, the only one or necessarily the best one, but it's one that fascinates me, is you basically want a series of uninflected, unrelated cuts or, like, shots, and then the audience will do the work of putting of doing what you're describing of like making connecting these. And that's not to say you make a film intentionally obtuse. It's just to say like, you don't inflect things with meaning because the audience will do that themselves. Um, and you don't need to have a camera following around the protagonist for like 120 minutes. Um, (laughs) because the protagonist or like the, the audience will like create a story from these images that you're showing in sequence. Um, and that's really like what, filmmaking is about it's not about just like following around um you know thor for, for like two hours
1: <laughs> right which is yeah that's fair I, I like i um i agree with that to some degree i also think there's uh, i mean with filmmaking it's not like there's a million ways to make a movie but there are at least a hundred ways to make a movie right oh so, for sure yeah um but i mean like that is, that is an approach. And it's Um, an interesting approach.
0: Yeah. And I don't know. I find his his approach interesting because it's very much like... Like a lot of the book is like in uh, Socratic dialogue because it's based on a class that he taught. Um, Yeah. And so he's like, okay, how would you do this? And his students are like, well, what about this? And he's just like, no, all you can do is take pictures. You can't take a picture that shows that someone is, like, quirky or whatever. There's no such thing as, like, character. It's just what people do. Like, all you can do is show people doing things. You can't show, you can't take a picture of a person's attribute. You can only, like, demonstrate that through their actions, which is like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, like, um, just thinking about it in this very, like, stark way of, like, it's. I think. I feel like it's useful as an exercise, even if later on you're gonna like break those rules and stuff. But it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. All, all you can do is take pictures. So how are you gonna tell a story?
1: Yeah. I. The funny thing about that is, all the things we've been talking about in terms of Final Fantasy VII and costume design and character design. And maybe that's why I, I don't want to put this too much into back into Final Fantasy 7. But <laughs> sure. for me, a lot of costume design, when you're talking about characters, and this is just me as, like, the screenwriting I've done and, like, some of the very, very basic, like, experimental filmmaking that I've done, which is hilarious. Um, but a lot of that is, like, okay, you costume a character for who they are, what they right. are, what they do, like, the functions they have in life and, and things like that. Yeah. Uh, which, I guess, is also, like, a pretty... Basic approach as well. I don't think I'm like a genius. Well, no, I don't think minor,
0: that's a basic so. approach. I think, um, I think something that we talked about with Final Fantasy earlier this week on some other podcasts.
1: Yeah, one of the <laughs> many one that the, we do
0: <laughs> um, is that I think those. There's a school of character design in games anyway that is less yeah. concerned with function and and sort of telling a story about, like, who this character is. And more about just, like, this is an archetype of, like, cool guy with big sword.
1: <laughs> yeah. This yes. is an
0: archetype of, like, fight lady. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and they're not necessarily connected to the world in any real way, which yeah. is, can be very frustrating if you're coming at it from that angle. Yeah. Um, they're just sort of more about, like, these... Characters who are like cut, kind of cut out from the world that they exist in and able to be like transposed in different ways. Yeah. But uh, I mean,
1: that that helps me appreciate it a little bit better, for sure, because I think I am coming from that very like it's almost like a literal thing. So I almost feel very basic saying this, but like that very. Oh, God. And, And maybe that is just from like screenwriting professors who are like, don't, you know, don't write anything that can't be filmed. Like, it's a very literal yeah. kind of form, right? right? So, right. like, when you talk about what somebody's wearing, when you write what somebody is wearing, it's, like, that is a thing that will be filmed that will tell the audience about this character. That you could stop on any still frame and do the every frame of painting thing. And, like, yeah. it'll tell you something about that character. Right. And, like,
0: what do these uniforms tell us about these characters? Right. Like.
1: Right. Uh <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Nothing at all. And it pissed me off. And it's like, oh, that's why it pisses me off. That makes sense. I'm learning total sense. so much about myself this week. My God.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's good. That's like self discovery. Yeah. That's growth. Yeah,
1: it is. Especially when it's like uh vaguely embarrassing when you realize that uh you're very embarrassed to know that uh you're jealous of successful dorky boys
0: i get that i get it like (laughs) a hundred times i get it thank Um, you for
1: understanding there's like a
0: ton of stuff that i just like won't watch because i'm like no i'm too jealous of this person yeah Um, (laughs) which is like really bad and petty and i'm like i'm i've worked on that and like i've gotten better about it um
1: at least you realize it though like that's a step well ahead of a lot of people (laughs) yeah that's true i think being able to say
0: i have a bad reaction to this person because I am jealous of them um I think being able to do that is really important because then that gives you this self-awareness to not be like this person is bad like I have a bad feeling about this person and it's because this person is bad rather than I have some unresolved stuff that I am projecting (laughs) onto this person
1: yep exactly exactly it's it's emotional maturity you know so much therapy has gotten me here. That's that's I will just credit my therapist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love therapy. Big fan, <laughs> big fan over here. Yeah, oh man, therapy, uh, therapy fan squad, you know, fan yeah. bite. I have had
0: so many therapists, yeah, me too. Mostly I just because want. I've moved a lot, so yeah, like, yeah, not that like I just keep being like, no, we're done. Um, I was, I can't work with
1: this. (laughs) I was someone's
0: last client one time. Like I was their last session. Yeah. Um, and that was like really bittersweet, but yeah, she was like, well, I'm done. Like what? Like today? She's like, no, like I'm done working. (laughs) It's like, oh, wow. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So I'm that bad, huh? Um, oh no, no, I'm sure it had nothing. No, it was, no, it was of course nothing to do with me. Um,
1: (laughs) But it, I
0: mean, it, it is really easy to fall into that, right? Of like sure. thinking about like, oh, do they, do they like, like me? Do they like, are they yeah. frustrated with me? Like, am I a good client or whatever?
1: Right. I, my therapist is someone who I love thinking that we would be actual friends in real life.
0: I think that's true of many people with their therapist. Yeah, right? Because like, it's somebody I think who's probably, in your corner.
1: I think probably you
0: know? your therapist feels that way too. Um,
1: yeah, well, I hope so. I hope he doesn't think I'm a you know
0: I really terrible doubt person. <laughs> I don't think you can work with someone uh right consistently and think they are like a terrible person.
1: Yeah.
0: Um yeah, okay. but I think that's true of a lot of people. It's like, yeah, I know I feel the same way. Like we can't, but like, you know, of, yeah. oh you, of course. You're really yeah. yeah. Um So yeah, therapy can be uh, can be weird for sure.
1: My um God, my ex-roommate. Um, a lot of things happened there. But one thing she brought up that was extremely funny once was that she had a very hot therapist. Oh, my and God. And she said it's that it's just worst. not fucking fair. It's no, just not No, it's fair. not.
0: My therapist <laughs> is hot, and thankfully I've basically gotten over it. But I was yeah. definitely, like, low-key uh, yeah. <laughs> in love with her for, like, a yeah. while. And we talked yeah. about it, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's partly because I – uh, I was like at the time not seeing anyone and sure, yeah. uh had this relationship in my life where I went to talk to this person on a regular basis about really intimate stuff. So it's like, oh of course, really? of course I'm going to yeah. feel that way. And the fact that you're hot doesn't help. Um but, yep. Yep. but it just kind of enables that. Uh and uh, it just
1: makes that so much faster of a of a thing. Exactly. like the intimacy yeah. Plus yeah. it would have happened. It's like, oh, Probably yeah. <laughs> regardless, but, like,
0: that was just, yeah. like, oh, wow, this person's so cool and hot and, like, listens to all my problems.
1: Yeah. And they seem to really care. Right. And then it's, like, <laughs> And well, a good therapist does care about your feelings. Oh, if yeah. Not, like, your specific problem, like, they care how you feel about oh, it. Oh, no, for, for sure. sure. Like, so. I think,
0: again, I think you have to. And I think therapists yeah. get into that line of work because they are, um, you know, empathetic people. Yeah. Typically. Which can also be really difficult.
1: Oh, I can only imagine. That was another career. I definitely.
0: Oh, same. Yeah. For a long time. Uh, Yeah. Although I feel like a lot of windows or doors closed for me pretty early on in college because, so my first year, I took intro sociology, uh, intro poli sci, intro anthropology, and intro psych because I was like, oh, wow. I was like, I'm going to be doing one of these. Yeah. (laughs) One of them. (laughs) One flavor of social science. One of the social sciences is sort of where I was at at the time. Yeah. And um, intro psych is the biggest undergrad class in the country in Canada.
1: Yeah. At the University of Toronto.
0: Um, If you've seen Mean Girls, the scene where they do the math thing, the math. Sure. uh, That's in Convocation Hall, which is the building that they hold the psych class in because it's like, Like, it was bigger than, uh, my high school, I think, the number of people in that class.
1: wow. It's one
0: of those, like, multi-balconies thing, um, and, like, you didn't really (sighs) know what the lecturer looked like, uh, but the thing about intra-psych is so many people take psych that it's designed to winnow interest, like, it's designed to, like, to cut people out because, like, half of it is just, like, brain stuff, um... Which, like, at the time, I was like, this sucks, and I hate it. But, like, now, I would <laughs> probably find really fascinating. But, right. like, at the time, it was, like, really dry. And I was like, I want to get into, like, the more social aspects of stuff. Which is why I gravitated towards sociology. Um, sure. But, yeah. So, like, I didn't do intro psych. And I was like, well, I uh, can't do that now because I didn't do all, like, the hard science stuff you need. And um, mm. anthropology. I was into anthropology for a while. Like, specifically physical anthropology. Um Ooh. And uh, or like primatology, sure. monkeys really fascinated me in um, or apes, I guess in a uh, in college. But then I did really poorly on that test, so I was like, "Well, not doing that." <laughs> uh, so <laughs> yeah. then I did a poli sci sociology specialization. Wow. That's, anyway, that's
1: that's pretty need, bad. needless no, I like backstory. That. I don't think it's needless. I think it's very useful backstory. I do
0: kind of regret that I did sociology and, like, didn't... I don't know. I was very unmotivated in college, and I was very directionless, and definitely I was, like, dissociating most of the time, so I I had very little, like, control over my life, or I felt that way, so... Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I would find the brain stuff really good and cool to know now, but at the time I was just, like, not having it, so...
1: Yeah. I, um... It's really cool. We, we we had some parallels there for sure. I, I was a psych philosophy major hmm. in college. I did two um, majors, and then I had a minor in fine art. Uh, but that's where I – so I think I'm lucky in a way because I did so poorly in high school. Like I almost failed completely out of high school. Um, that like college was actually like kind of easier and uh, almost kind of like – Anyway, it's weird to say this, but, like, that was almost felt more at home for me than high school did. Like, that makes I sense. felt comfortable there. I felt able to, you know, do all sorts of stuff. And that's where I also started becoming, like, this person who feels a need to do radically different things all the time, basically. Like, that's where I started doing, you know, several sports and theater and improv and having a job and taking six uh-huh. or seven classes and, like, having three majors basically and like everything else. Um, cause I was like, no, I like doing different things. That's where I figured that out. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Different but I also like, yeah, I also will totally regret not taking way, way, way more science. I took a lot of science for sure. I took a lot of bio. Um, but I'll always be like, man, I was, I was so academically poor in high school. I never thought I could go to like medical school oh yeah no and so even in college i was like no no no. i did such a bad job like no no fuck that like it's not like i i think i would have been you know the world's best or anything but later in life now that i i've you know worked a little bit in the medical field here and there like i'm kind of like oh actually maybe i could have been a kind of great uh like er doctor or something like that but that's still a possibility once I pay these ones off, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, it's fine. I'm not bitter. I'm not, actually. I love yeah. what I do. What I do is awesome. I'm very lucky to do it. I actually went out in my ambulance this week. Yeah. Uh, that's, which was great. That's wild. <laughs> Yeah, I get to put on a hazmat suit and a face shield and all wow. kinds of fun oh my stuff. God. And this yeah,
0: was the definitely, first time. Oh, sorry, go ahead. This was the first time. It was time. the first
1: time since uh, the kind of new normal. Yeah, um, right. So I went out last in March when things were starting I to get I remember that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I had a patient who was, like, coughing. <laughs> and everybody was, like, freaking out. Mm-hmm. But at that time, it was like, okay – You asked for a history of travel to China. Like, that was one of the things. That's how early this was. Right, right, yeah. Deal. Uh, And she hadn't. And she also didn't have a fever. So we were all like, okay, well, you know, whatever. Um, But nobody was wearing N95s at that point because that wasn't the protocol yet. People didn't even know that would be the protocol. Yeah. Uh, So, yes, it was wild. Like So now when we go to a call... And there's any reason to suspect COVID or really anything because anybody could have it. You know, one in five New Yorkers has already had it. Yeah. That was the statistic the other day. So we kind of suit up. We put on like hazmat suits and uh, shields on our faces. And uh, we have our little respirators and our gloves. And we go in and we kind of do our thing because you can't do EMS from six feet away. Like you're you're touching your patients and you are carrying your patients. Like I I have to lift and kind of carry my patients everywhere. So... It was it was awesome, though. I I, I felt good. Like, it's just part of what I love to do. You know, like I really like being hands on and I really enjoy um, doing this. I enjoy like going out in the community and and doing something, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel really, really like just crappy and not me if I can't get out and do things. Uh, So it felt great to go out.
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, it was fun. I had two brand new EMTs too. So it was like uh, training them while kind of learning myself how to do all the new PPE stuff. But Mm. yeah, that comes with like doing it as a volunteer. You're pretty much always teaching somebody or you're learning yourself, uh, which is another thing I love about it. Like it's very, very teaching oriented and very, very like, okay, you know, uh, now we're going to do this and now we're going to do that. And like the family is usually – um, appreciate that because we're so vocal and so you know you're always taught to say what you're going to do to a patient before doing something like yeah. it's why a doctor will be like okay this is going to pinch a little before they you know um, like a phlebotomist takes blood or whatever any procedure is going to be painful but like we're doing it in like a such a deliberate way that I think it's good communication for patients so hmm. yeah anyway that's my EMS minute for the week it's <laughs> <laughs> good shit uh, Mary, is there anything on the site that you're super excited about this week or that you really liked working on?
0: God, I feel like there were so many things this week.
1: You put up a lot of really awesome features that I still need to get on Instagram. <laughs> yeah,
0: there are so many good ones. Um, yeah. I'm just going to talk about something, like because I can't even think of, of some of those, because Monday oh, yeah. and Tuesday feel like like a month away at this point. <laughs>
1: Yeah, for sure. So I'm just
0: going to talk about something that we did yesterday, which was uh, the Destiny podcast that uh, Stephen, uh, managing editor of Fanbyte, and I do. And uh, it's really funny because we started that podcast at the beginning of the current season of the game. And uh, right around then I was like... I don't know. I don't know about this if I'm still into yeah. this as much anymore. And basically we spent a lot of yesterday talking about how I had decided that I'm pretty much done um sure. for the time being anyway that I am like stepping back from that and um it was cool to just have a space to talk about like um well like how do you what do you do when like you feel like a game has become unhealthy for you
1: yeah yeah and uh that's
0: pretty much where i am i think with that game because it's not like super super unhealthy like i'm like you know not taking care of myself or whatever like it's not on that level but what i mean is that it's like taking up time that i feel like that i have this nagging feeling that i'm like i could be playing other games and like exposing myself to a wider range of of things uh so like and there's not really new content, so I'm just sort of doing the same things over and over. And it feels more like an obligation than something that I'm doing because I'm enjoying it and it's fun, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, I have to log on to do all my daily things so that I can grind up to do this and I can try this content. And it's like, no, I don't have to. Yeah. I don't have to. And and just because I'm not going to get some, like, seasonal title or something, like, it doesn't fucking matter. And at some point, you just have to decide... Like there's always going to be some new thing to chase in games like that. Yeah. So at some point you have to decide like, no, I don't actually need this emblem or this title or whatever, and like I'm just going to step back for a while. And uh, it was it was cool to to have space to talk about that. And Stephen talked a little about their um, experience with Dota. Which was a game that they felt that oh, way sure. about. I think the difference yeah. there was that Dota is competitive and that they were getting really mad and didn't like the kind of person that it made them. Whereas sure. Destiny, like, I don't really play competitive modes. Um, I mostly just like hang out with uh people in my clan and uh or just play it solo while I'm listening to audiobooks. So it's not that, like it doesn't have that aspect to it. But it's just like I just want to take a break and this feels like a good time to do it. And uh, the game is in a really weird place and they're sort of, uh, (laughs) we talked about this yesterday, but they're sort of like in damage control mode right now. Sure. um, Because they put out these updates every week called this week at Bungie and starting yesterday, they have a member of the dev team every week being like, okay, here's what we're doing to deal with this problem that everyone has with the game right now. He like, Yesterday, they were like, here's how we're dealing with cheaters in this, like, competitive mode, um, because it's, like, a huge fucking problem. And then next week, they're going to talk about how they're dealing with, like, what has become the core loop of the game, which is just doing these, like, bounties, which are just basically errands, like, get a number of kills on this planet, or, like, punch, like, six guys or whatever, (laughs) which, like, aren't narrative content and, like, are just, you know, kind of meaningless, so... Yeah. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. And uh, in the meantime, I'm excited to uh, feel like I can just do whatever I want. So I, uh, am, yeah. I'm i finishing Doom, and uh, that game continues yeah. to be really good. And yeah. uh, after that, I'm like, damn, I might try something totally new. Like I might try like a city building game
1: Ooh. Uh, just to play
0: something that's like a little like not an FPS or... Yeah. Um, or like a sports game, like a sports sim. Ooh. Uh, like I might try a baseball game.
1: I don't know. Oh my god, that would be awesome. Yeah. Sorry, my dog just got very excited for you to play a sports About game. About
0: baseball.
1: You hear that, buddy? Just baseball. like my
0: favorite Star Trek, Captain Cisco. Baseball. He loves baseball. Baseball. Yeah, I he's, forget. He's, have you seen haunt. DS9? Oh yeah. Okay. I love it. I still haven't finished it. Very it. Much. Um I'm on the last season and I started uh making my way through it a couple weeks ago.
1: You know, it's one of the only shows I've ever actually kind of cried at.
0: Oh, Uh, no, it's the like, let me guess, the episode with the time travel.
1: Actually, no, but only because I had seen that one as a kid, like in the 90s. So I was like, I sort of knew where it was going. And even though I found it very affecting, like, I think that's a truly great episode. It was one of those where like, oh, I was like sort of half remembering it from being a kid and being like, oh, I remember this scene. I remember this scene instead of like focusing on the emotional content of the scene um no even like the end like the the actual oh, yeah. one of the ending scenes I, uh i in, know in the show. Like i know how yeah. it
0: ends so like i'm not yeah. but um yeah kind of got
1: me it kind of got me i was like oh um, <laughs> it really kind of got emotional
0: i guess spoilers for the ending of deep space nine yeah, um yeah so Captain Cisco learns in the last season that he is like half prophet, like he's like half yes. alien god, basically, because this alien god like possessed this woman and like made her marry his dad so that he would be born. Um, yep. And then after they've sort of dealt with like the big threats or whatever, like the war. Um, yeah. By the end of the season, he's like, oh, I'm going to go. I have to go like learn about being a space god and stuff um yeah. but they he was like i'm not gonna like avery brooks um
1: yeah this is really cool actually i kind of love he this. was like yeah.
0: i'm not doing a story where uh the black father just like leaves yeah um yep. and so like they make a like a really intentional point of saying like oh no i'm coming back like, yeah, I will be back. I have to go for a while to learn about being like a space god, yeah. but like I'm absolutely coming back. And like one of my favorite things about that show, uh, I mean, just all of the character interactions are oh. so incredible. But yeah. like the father son relationship it's between Cisco and Jake, it's like it's it's like one of the sweetest instances of that that I have ever seen on TV. And, like, I agree. just the fact that he's, like, always just, like, kissing his son on the head and, like, hugging yeah. him and just, like, smiling, like, so broadly. Like, yeah, that, that fucks me up.
1: <laughs> you no, know, it's so, it's so loving and also so real. And he's yeah. just such a fucking dad about it, too. Like, there's nothing about it that feels false. It is 100%, like, really loving dad. I also love that he, like, supports that Jake doesn't want to be in Starfleet. He wants oh, yeah, to go be creative. He going to be like, a journalist. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. son. Like, go, you know. Yeah, he wants to write. Like, go be a writer. Like, go, you know, do it. Have these experiences. Like, live your life, dude. It's not just like, oh, the old man didn't like what you did. Like, it's it's truly beautiful. Like, it's, God, that show is, even though I know a lot of people talk it up, it still feels underrated somehow. Yeah. Uh, it's Great. It's, like, genuinely great. Um, yeah. Yeah, watch Gosh. Deep
0: Space Nine, everybody. That's, you know, if you're so uh,
1: If you
0: if you're looking <laughs> yeah. for a new show to sort of quarantine watch, uh, yeah. I th- it's definitely on Hulu. It might also be on Netflix. Probably. Oh, I don't nice. know. Maybe it just bounces back and forth. But uh,
1: it probably does. Because I remember a few years ago going through all the 90s tricks. Uh, yeah. To get, like, in a, in a row. You know, I went it, through uh TNG then DS9 and then Voyager and right like I'm always gonna love Voyager because I grew up with that very specifically yeah like, that's that was mine when I was a teenager and like yeah that one is half good half right. of it's great yeah. half of it I've seen like, a little bit trash. and I
0: might start <laughs> it again soon yeah. but yeah Deep Space Nine is the show that got me into Star Trek because yeah. I grew up oh, nice. thinking like I don't like this I like Star Wars because there's like fantasy and like space magic and Star Trek yeah. is all this, like, serious science stuff. And then, of, course, of course, you know, I think <laughs> as I grew up, I was, like, I'm much more interested in, like, the moral kind of, like, quandaries that these characters are dealing with than I am with, like, this archetypal hero myth. Yeah. Um, and Deep Space Nine was the one that got me into it because it's the least Star Trek of all of them.
1: Oh, for because sure. Because Gene
0: Roddenberry sure. was dead at that point. So oh. they were allowed to have conflict between the crew because prior to that, he was like, no. One of the big things about Star Trek is there can be no serious conflicts between the crew. Yep. And uh, then he died, and they were like, guess what?
1: <laughs> guess what makes for good TV? Guess
0: what? Every guess? <laughs> yeah, guess what? All of these characters are like, you know, their own people with their own wants and desires, and sometimes those wants come into conflict with one another, and, like, they have to deal with that. So
1: and people are complicated.
0: It turns out that that's interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> people are complicated. They have complex feelings and they have complex motivations and, and they like,
0: all live at the airport.
1: And they live at the airport where it's a war zone and there was a recent war and there's still war and there's more of a war and there's a lot of that going on and oh my god, one of my favorite episodes of all time is Jake Cisco having to help during uh having to help the doctor in like a Basically, like, it's like a MASH episode. Like, Jake has to help in the emergency little, uh, like, crappy little hospital they put up uh, for, like, aid. And that made me really want to be an EMT again, actually. (laughs) Because I was like, oh, my God, I love this stuff. Even though poor Jake threw up his soup when he tried to eat during his break. Because he He was a little upset. He was a little upset. You know, I get it. That's when he's doing, like,
0: front lines reporting, right?
1: Yeah. (laughs) And it's like... I don't know. It's so good. It's uh, really love that episode. It's really I good. Love pretty much everything. There's so show. many good
0: episodes of that show. The first season is a little rough. It doesn't get truly yeah. good. You know when it gets really, really good when Cisco shaves his head and grows a beard. Yup. Because when he yep. shows yep. up, yep. he yep. sort of has like this short cropped hair and no facial hair. Um, yep. and like the first couple of seasons, they're like okay. They're like a little rocky sometimes. You there's like tons of Star Trek guides that you can read that'll tell oh, you yeah. like okay, this episode you don't really need to watch because it's just this, like, one thing that never comes up again. Um, but yeah, once that facial hair comes up, it's oh, just pure it's baseball.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, the
0: baseball episode in the last season is, like, this Romulan who, uh, or no, sorry, Falcon, who Cisco's basically <laughs> had, like, a you know. grudge with since they were in the Academy together, shows up <laughs> and is like, hey, guess what? My crew learned to play baseball, and we're going to beat <laughs> you in baseball now. So they drop everything in the middle of a war to to learn baseball in two weeks. And then the whole point of the episode isn't that the scrappy human team uh, comes together, or human and, like, whatever, other aliens, comes together to beat the Vulcans. Right. It's that they get their fucking faces pushed in, but... Yep they let the guy who they cut from the team because he sucked so bad, they let him play, and he bunts and, like, gets a run. And then they're just like, yeah, Ram, you did it! Um, And then they're all celebrating at the end that they had fun, and, like, that they had a fun game, and that Ram did good. And uh, the Vulcan's like, this is highly illogical. Like, you did not win. (laughs) This is Manufactured Triumph. And they're all like, yeah, to
1: Manufactured Triumph! Like, it's... Very good. It's beautiful. It like, gets really kind of beautiful. I love it. God, that show's so good. I need to watch it again. I think <sighs> that's a great quarantine show cuz it's like a little honest about how much life sucks, but it's still like a very upbeat. They don't leave in general.
0: Um yeah, they don't leave the airport. And they're quarantined. Not
1: You know, they're basically quarantined, so you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway, it didn't mean to get
0: it's great. <laughs> it's great. I,
1: I will talk about DS9 any day of the week. <laughs> um, what
0: What have you been working on this week that you really enjoyed?
1: Well, let's see. Um, I really enjoyed Sports Middle this week. Mm. Uh, we had Natalie Weiner. Uh, that's how she pronounces her name. I, I hope I'm getting that correct. But, yeah, I think uh, she said specifically Weiner. She is a writer at SB Nation, and we talked about... Uh, A sort of a current ESPN documentary about the Bulls uh, 97-98 season, which was called The Last Dance. Okay. Uh, which is interesting. Like the Chicago Bulls, the, uh, the basketball team with Michael Jordan and Scottie mm-hmm, Pippen mm-hmm. and all those all those dudes, like some of the best who have ever played kind of thing. Uh, so we talked about that documentary. And we also talked about the WNBA draft, which was super cool. Ooh. And like maybe the one that's gotten the most mainstream excitement that I've seen personally. I don't really follow the WNBA, but I kind of want to now um, because there's like a legit superstar, uh, Sabrina I, on skew, I hope I'm saying that one right. She's like, uh, okay, so there's a thing called a triple-double, and I'm not going to go far into it, but it's like a, a wildly impressive statistic, uh, and she is the first person, man or woman, to have the number of that statistic in all of college basketball history. So, wow. like, she's, like, wildly good, and she got drafted actually by our team, by the New York Liberty. Uh oh, cool. So, like, Yeah. And they play in Brooklyn. Like, (laughs) so when they start playing, I'm actually going to be like, oh, I'm going to need to make a point to go to a game and just like check that out and like, just, just see what it's like in person. You know? Um, I like going to live games, even if it's not like a game that I watch a ton of. Yeah. There's something very fun about going to a live, uh, sports event, um, that I super enjoy. So yeah, that was super fun. And, uh, Yeah, that was, uh, fan fight this week was also super exciting. We talked about Pancrase, which is a mid-90s MMA pro-wrestling hybrid where you basically can't tell if it's like a pro-wrestling thing where like the ending is, you know, fixed or agreed upon, or if it's like they're actually fighting, which is wild. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's wild. It's absolutely wild. Uh... I was, like, learning about it for the first time. Now, Pancreas still exists now, but it's, like, a – just MMA now. Like, it's a, a, you know, sport MMA promotion Right. But, like, it was started by a couple of guys who were pro wrestlers and actual MMA wrestlers. So, like, they did both, which is buck wild uh, and really cool to watch. So, Yeah. This is really cool. It was really cool to learn about this stuff. So yeah, I feel like I learned a lot about sports this week that I didn't necessarily know about. But um, I, I enjoy it. I like learning about just about anything. Yeah. Maybe that's just the kind of nerd I am. I just enjoy learning about knowledge that is power. Are passionate. Yeah, right. Yeah, it is in a way. You know, who said that? Who who actually said that? Is that like an actual?
0: Uh, like, I
1: believe that was GI Joe. Yes, 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 absolutely, Mr. G.I. Joe, uh, before he jumped out of a plane.
0: Knowledge you're is right. power, and, and, and uh, after the bombs fall, it'll be the only currency that matters.
1: That's right, that's yeah. right. Uh, how much you know, the more you know, and that's how you know you're rich. <laughs> um,
0: it was apparently exactly. Sir Francis Bacon, although, there, well, it's commonly attributed to him. Oh, okay. But there is no known occurrence of this precise phrase in his English or Latin
1: writings. Oh, shit. So he just told his buddies that?
0: He was like just like, hey guys, and- knowledge is power. Scientia <laughs> <laughs> est <Sanches laughs> potentia. Um,
1: Finger guns. Like, yeah. Hey,
0: Scientia <laughs> potentia. <I asked. laughs> Good. And they're like, yeah, we get it. Like,
1: I know Sir Francis Bakes. We know. We know. We know Bakes. It's fine. That's what I would call my friend if he was named Sir, Sir Francis Bacon. I would call him Bakes. Bakes? I don't know if I would actually do that. That seems pretty weird to do. But, yeah. Um, is there anything else we should discuss before closing office I hours? I feel like business?
0: that's basically it. Yeah, we've, yeah. Yeah. We covered Deep Space Nine, so I think we're
1: good. Yeah, exactly. One of my favorite topics of all time. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, do you want to take us out?
0: Yeah. Okay. So um, okay. go to fanbyte.com slash podcasts to check out all of our other shows, including Fan Fight, which we talked about, and uh, the Destiny podcast, which probably will still happen for the time being. Uh, we <laughs> might just have some guests on because we had Paul Tassio on last week and that was fun. So oh, nice. we yeah. might just try and get people on to just like talk about, uh, about stuff. Um, yeah. And then... Uh, go to, uh, Fanbyte Media on Twitter to follow us there. Danielle yeah. is Danielle RI on Twitter. Yeah. I'm
1: at Merritt K. And, um, I think that's all of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's all of them. Cool. Yeah. Amazing. We did it. We got through another week. I'm proud we did of this. It. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, if there's nothing else, then I think office hours are closed for business.
0: Bye.